from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome to the Animal Farm version of the Wow Report. Uh, I'm here with Tom Campbell, our Chief Creative Officer, and James St. Jones, editor of the Wow Blog. And this week, we all have foreground. For those of you watching, we all have foreground uh, elements. Animal. Yeah, a representative of our uh, personalities. <laughs> Introduce your spirit animal, Tom. Yeah. I have a, a vintage, like 1970s ceramic leopard bought in on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. <laughs> and James? I have a Chewbacca doll that I sleep with every night. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a golden pig. All right, let's move on with the uh, top 10 countdown of things that made us go wow this week. Number 10. Number 10. I don't do fashion normally on the show. James does fashion. Um, but, you know, I did lead a discussion last fall about sweatpants, gray sweatpants, and that whole kind of fever. Very and memorable, yes. Spring has sprung. Summer's almost here. And this is a story that's not going away. It's it's men, celebrities, and just men across the world wearing micro shorts, short shorts, Daisy Dukes, shorts, if you will. Dolphin shorts, Richard Simmons shorts. <laughs> and it's it's uh, intriguing to me for so many reasons. First of all, in the West Hollywood of it all, in the gay world, we've been seeing short shorts for quite a while. Am I right? With certain people. You either have the thighs or you I, don't have the thighs. I thought it was the 70s thing, short shorts, right? right. Yes. Yeah, 80s as well. Yeah, there was an early 80s short short thing. But it's and, – and, and Milo, what's the guy from This Is Us, Milo? Milo Ventimiglia. He's, he's kicking it up to high gear because there's some thirsty paparazzi shots of him in tiny little, like, gray camo short shorts at the gas station, which really is the only reason to leave the house right now with the hope that he, you might be driving by the gas station where Milo is. See Milo. Oh, yes. my, he's so dreamy. You know, Milo got his start on Gilmore Girls, and then he was on Heroes, and now he's on This Is Us. Yes. And he's just one – he's in every stage of his career, he is the most handsome man you will ever see. It's being discussed a lot, this whole short, short thing on TikTok Times. I like to call it TikTok, which is like the new New York Times, the new New Yorker, TikTok Times. And there's something, you know, it's, it's the end of a pandemic. People are craving skin. You know, I think we've all been, I mean, I'm in my underwear right now. So it's like we've all been living in our underwear. So, and haven't we also kind of been going I, I don't know, like I go to the pharmacy or whatever, and I'm, I'm, I'm not wearing short shorts, but I'm wearing clothes I would not wear in public normally. Well, you know, I was sitting here listening and thinking, gosh, this doesn't, this doesn't relate to me. And then I realized that via Instagram, I must have bought about three workout shorts and three pairs of bathing trunks. Like, <laughs> I have well, no Interesting to go back to Tom's point right there. You know, the thing about Milo's thighs, specifically Milo's thighs, are that they're big and meaty and they are white as whale blubber. I mean, they are just, it's like, and normally in other times, we would look down on that and we'd be like, oh my God, his white legs, you know, tan, put some tanning lotion on or something like that. But for some reason, we're just so thirsty for skin. Yes. This white skin thirsty. we've been inside and our skin is all white and pasty. But it's just hot. Yes. And the only, I'll put a historical context on this for no good reason other than to just go over, which is, you know, I remember in the 70s in my lifetime, we wore short shorts. We didn't know they were short shorts. They were called shorts. <laughs> like professional um, basketball players, you know, Larry Bird wore short shorts, you yes. know, and then a couple things happened. I think the '80s AIDS happened, and the and and the gay aesthetic of short shorts happened. And I I do believe in parts of our culture there was a big division. Like I don't want to look gay. I don't want to look like I might have AIDS. So it's like dress like a straight person. Preppy came in. I you know I have pictures in college of me wearing short short nylon shorts, but also sporting the 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 cuffed khaki to the knee short. You know, just going full mm. preppy. And then of course hip hop culture came into and that was all baggy 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 yeah you think of the basketball players and the baggy shorts but like i I don't know it's just for our amusement but long live the short i'm sorry that milo is so heterosexual that heterosexual men are embracing these short short shorts as opposed to the the gays of we know that's what's refreshing and the last you know there are there's a whole other story but there are 
influencers and TikTok people who are straight who are being accused of being gay baiters, like they're showing off their bodies in that way, or an on OnlyFans. And Harry I say, styles. and Instagram alone, and regular people are, are monetizing their hotness, straight their their male hotness, straight guys to gay guys. And I say, give me more. Perfect, but that does reflect a long term, decades long trend of like fleeing from the gay identity and shame about the gay identity right. to gay being so fabulous that straight people want to appropriate it. That's a, it's an interesting day. All Thanks. right, let's move on. Number nine, James. Number nine. Number nine, I watched more TV in the last week than I've ever watched in my entire life. I could do 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. <laughs> I just, I could. Um, I watched a movie on Netflix called What Lies Below, which is not What Lies Beneath with Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford. Oh, no. This is uh, a crazed killer merman on the loose, okay? At least I thought it was a merman. That's what everyone on Twitter was telling me when they said, James, whatever you do, do not watch this movie. It is the worst, most confusing movie of all time. And it is, but I loved it, okay? There's this girl, this young girl, and she's coming home from science camp. And her mother is Mina Savari, which right there is weird because Mina Savari is a teenager to me. I can't think of her in mother roles, right? Um, but she's coming home and the mother, they pull up at their summer house and it's by a lake. And the mother says, I have a new boyfriend and oh my God, he's so hot. And the sex is so good. And the daughter is like, ew, mom, stop it. You're embarrassing me. And all of a sudden we see come out of the lake. We see this hot man come out in a pair of speedos and he's dripping wet. And the girl is just like gobsmacked. And she's like, oh. and he comes over to her and he starts talking to her. And she can't, she just stares at his bulge. And she's just, at night she goes and she's masturbating to him as he walks around the house naked. And we see all sorts of like side butt and lower groin and everything on him. And he's like banging the mom and she goes and listens. But he's also very, very weird. And he's a scientist and he's trying to, figure a way to desalinate the ocean so that freshwater fish can live in it, which is sort of like where, where you start realizing that he's up to something bad. And he takes her out on this boat and all of, there's this menstrual moment. And I'm sorry, I, I'm just going very quickly here, but she starts to have her period. And this is the weirdest scene in on film I've ever seen. There's a snake in the boat and it sort of goes between her legs. And then he takes this and then he takes a, a towel and he shoves it between her legs as the blood is dripping down. And then he takes the blood and he licks it and he's eating her, her menstrual blood and she's all freaked out. And he says, Hey, Hey, we're both scientists here. It's okay. And it's like, what? what? And then she goes in the shower and she's showering off. And then he comes in the shower while she's there and he starts sniffing her clothes and getting off on her clothes. And that's all I'm good. Those are the only two spoilers I'm going to give about this weird movie. But it turns out that I can't even tell you what, what it turns out because it, it gets so batshit bonkers bananas. But the very last image of the movie switches everything around. And all I'm going to say is the thriller video. Uh, ding, 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 ding. Uh -huh. The very last image of the thriller video. Do you remember it? I think Michael I, turns into a werewolf, unless I'm mistaken. Michael turns around and he smiles, and there's this weird smile, and you realize that he's been to. Well, that's sort of what happens here, and I, I just ruined it for you. But go. Tell me, you have something to say, finally. No, I, I just, you know. That's the most context because I've just seen that speedo picture of that guy, and I've, I once I saw the still, I look for gifts, and I haven't done any. I did. I did not find out the name of the film. I didn't find out what it was about. I just wanted a man in a speedo with a bulge emerging from yeah. water. And, and but he doesn't live. He's not the merman, is he? He yes, doesn't yes, live. Yes, he's he's a merman. But it turns out he might be an alien. Well, he's fucking Mina Savari. He starts getting scales on his back, and then later she's hiding by the the, the fish tanks where the, he he's breeding lampreys, which is very weird. And she sees like these hood, these like scaly hooves walk past, and it's him. So we don't know if he's like if he's like a lizard person or an alien or a merman or what he is, but. He has a very uh, evil agenda. It turns Do out. you smell a sequel? Oh, definitely. Yes, they they did it this with mind to have one parts one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, okay. eight, nine. 
I, I think you should just continue, James, because uh, what lies below is streaming on Netflix. But you've watched so much TV lately. I, I feel a bit guilty about this. Segway to number eight. Number eight. Prince Philip's funeral. It's like I drew the short straw. Like, oh. uh, James, did you watch Prince Philip's funeral? I watch uh, bits and pieces of it here and there on YouTube, and I do have a lot of thoughts. But as as uh, I do want you to talk to Fenton, I just well, want to I... say to take myself out that I refuse to watch it out of some like anti like monarchy statement. What? And of course, since not watching it, I've read every article and looked at every picture about it. So please fill me in on the actual. Well, I guess you know the the takeaway image has to be the queen sitting alone, uh, oh, partly because of social distancing, but just. <laughs> <laughs> sitting alone in this church there were only i think 30 people at the funeral i missed the whole thing not out of a political statement i was asleep in bed i woke up came downstairs just as they were all filing out of the church which i, I guess is the other money moment because what was prince harry and prince william what were they going to do were they going to get into fisticuffs were they going to walk together um all i can reveal is that they brought in a lip reader to see what they were saying and apparently it was something like, that was a good service, wasn't it? Um, or maybe <laughs> they were like... The music was wonderful. Theme? Very fitting. Hot buttered crumpets, hot cross buns. <laughs> I, the most banal that, conversation. And that made me think the royals are so dull. When you, when you actually have to talk to them, they're just like, very good, yes. No, no, no. It's all subtext, darling. It's all subtext. When he says the crumpets were wonderful, he, what he means is, you son of a bitch, I'm never speaking to you again. You have to understand how the Brits are. Okay. That's so true, James. Um, what? I suppose the other thing was the effing Land Rover, which had been designed by Prince Philip. It's just a regular old military green Land Rover with an extended backside so they could shove the coffin in. I mean, the fact that he designed it himself got so much play. I I don't know. My biggest takeaway is that this was what I'm going to call a death rehearsal in the sense that oh, what is going to happen when the queen goes, because bless her, she just turned, is it 95, 95. or 97? You know, and, and I just think then everything will grind to a halt permanently. As it happened, when the BBC pulled all its programming, preempted all its programming to do Prince Philip, World War, the BBC had more complaints than it has ever received in its entire history. People were just outraged. Where is our Master Chef finale? And but, don't um, people, but that won't happen with the Queen because no matter how you feel about the monarchy, this is a woman who has given her entire life to, to service. And I oh, think even the people who hate her will realize upon her death what a really just remarkable character she was. It will be the Oprah interview. It will be the death of Diana, the death of Prince Philip, all rolled into one. Yeah. It's going to be enormous. That's, yeah, that's going to be enormous. Um, and imagine living, you know, so many people live their entire lives with her on the throne. And just the fact that we will probably live our lives. There will be a time when there will be no Queen Elizabeth. I mean, it's just it's, it's mind boggling to me. Well, uh, the, the will unless, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, maybe she'll make it to 100 or. Well, her, her, her family comes from she comes from stock that lives a long time. Her, you know, her mother lived to 105. James, what do you have to say about this? Well, I just, it's all about Kate's outfit to me. The, 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 the Alexander McQueen with that big bow. Did you see it was, she wore this black jacket that had this huge black bow and she wore the necklace that Diana wore. And that was, and then she had the, the very chic hat and the very chic, uh, uh, suddenly face masks looked so chic. I just thought it was, I, we've been, we've been hating them forever, but she just looked fantastic in it. And then the other takeaway for me was the fact that all the men couldn't, you know, usually the Royals wear their military uniform forms to funerals but they weren't allowed to this time because harry had been stripped of his and if you saw harry without a military uniform and all the other men in military that would become the, the topic of conversation and so they didn't want it to become the harry show and the other reason they didn't want it to become but the it harry was the topic of conversation wasn't it it was all that anybody yeah. talked about how the men well, wanted they, their military 
but they wouldn't allow Harry and Prince William to walk together side by side because once again, every, you know, body language expert in the country would be talking about that, but also because it would bring up memories of the two of them walking behind Diana's casket and they didn't want it to become the Harry and William show. So, you know, that the queen was like thinking of all these things, ding, 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 ding immediately. James Fenton, do you think Meghan Markle was under doctor's orders not to attend or use that as an excuse to not attend? I, yeah, I, well, I mean, it was good that she wasn't there. It gave Harry, it gave has and wills times to talk. Yes. Well, that's the, uh, Prince Philip passed away April 9th, uh, Windsor Castle. Um, it's been a bit of a week, actually. We had the Queen's birthday and then on, uh, let's see, what day was it? Wednesday, 420, 420. And of course, now there's a documentary for every day of the year. And we had one. It was called Gone to Pot, the high and low of it, streaming now on Paramount Plus. There you have it. You do. Let's take a break. Blake, ask us a question. All right. Well, this one is brought to you by Gone to Pot. How many states have fully legalized weed as of now? And I mean, like, to recreational status. All right. Question about counterpart. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James, St. James, Tom, and Blake. Yeah, I have a question for you guys. And it's brought to you by our document. Our new documentary, Gone to Pot, which is now streaming on Paramount Plus. How many states have fully legalized weed as of now to like the recreational status? I'm going to think it's a surprisingly small number. I'm going to put my bid in at two. Two states. I'm going to say seven. Fenton? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> the man who made the documentary. <laughs> I'm not good with numbers. I maybe it's like 17 or 18 or something. I, I was scared you would know this from working on the documentary, but it's actually <laughs> it's 16. You were the closest. You see, there's a, a shame the executive producer. You know what executive producer means? You do How nothing. Much was it? <laughs> 16. Sixteen. I was going to say 17, and then I changed my mind to seven. I am so angry with myself. Well, bad, there you go. Bad. We are counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow, this past week, we've reached number seven. Number seven. You know when tragedies happen, like 9-11 or just horrible things, and there's always those news um, reports, like in today's show, it's like how to tell your kids about 9-11 or how to talk to your kids about 9-11. I want to, how do you talk to your friends about Demi Lovato? (laughs) Let me break it down. Because... I, you know, the way now, 20 years later, we're like, oh, we were so mean to Britney. We were so mean to Paris. These things, these people were melting down in front of us. I hate to say it, but I feel like we are sort of experiencing a Demi Lovato meltdown. Could be wrong. My opinion. You know, she had the OD. Thank God she survived. And now she's, you know, she has, there's a lot going on for her she in a good way. She, has- she came out as, as um, uh, what was it? Bisexual? Annoying. or Something. And, you know, she had this uh, uh, YouTube series, which sort of charting her early sobriety, which, and I'll reveal, I'm a sober person and I'm not self-righteous about that at all. People get sober for all different reasons. But, you know, in my personal experience, you know, it's a struggle to get sober and your ego is sometimes the thing that needs to be right-sized and your self-esteem go up. So there seems to be a lot of in my humble opinion, ego-driven things happening with Demi. And it's really hard, I think, when you're a celebrity. But, you know, she does this show where she talks about, and again, some of it's just maybe what she's saying and some of it's the way it's picked up. And some of it's like, there was a headline that, uh, based on the YouTube show, it's like, Demi Lovato molested by her drug dealer after her overdose. That's just a lot to unpack. And it's a horrifying thing. And she has to live through that and cope with it. But like, and I haven't watched the YouTube special because I'm our series because I just I, I cringe at at it. But people who I know and like and trust say I, I just ask this one question: Does she take 
accountability for anything that's happened to her. Well, she does say she's California sober, which means that she which, smokes pot and which you know. and people get sober different ways. There's not one way, and some people mm-hmm. can go back and do alcohol and and pot and not go back to heroin. I'm not one of those people. Well, so um, are you? Are you saying that that the Froyo incident was because that she she hasn't checked the ego? So at the end of the day, so now, so I, I'm sort of, I kept this all inside. I, I don't want to be shaming her. And then this Froyo thing happens, which is just too delicious, pardon the pun, to not talk about, which is she, you know, has eating issues. She's talked about them and fought with them. And, you know, she's a very open book. Although, you know, anyway, so she goes to this Froyo place in the Valley. We all know the story. And she attacked it. This little, this little like woman owned small business because they had diet options and sugar-free options. And that triggered her as someone who has food issues. She thought it was shaming and that the whole world had to change for Demi Lovato. And listen, maybe in 10 years, we'll hear this and I'll have been so behind on the wrong side of history, but like chill out, chill out. And, and it's, you know, again, we're listening, we're talking about it, but I worry about her welfare. So I want to make fun of her and make it a light, silly Twitter war conversation. But I don't know. How do you talk to your kids about Demi? I feel rightly shamed because that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. I was like, <laughs> how self-obsessed have we become that we feel a yogurt shop can't display diet options? First? You know, it got under my, it got under my skin a little bit. And a I was just being, being a little bit annoyed. Um you know, my kid, Elliot, who's six, his favorite song is Dancing with the Devil. So we were on the road trip. He kept on saying, play the demon song. Play the demon song. He right. loved that song. Uh, she Dancing is one of the, the most talented vocalists of this generation. She has some incredibly hit songs. You know, she's been on Drag Race. She was lovely. The Sorry, Not Sorry song was one of the best lip syncs in Drag Race history. I don't want to ever undermine her talent. I'm worried about Demi Lovato, the person, in light of some of our other female divas in the past who we have a different perspective of today. I just wanted to say that the Froyo thing, I heard later that she uh, donated a hundred thousand dollars and wrote a note of apology to the, the yogurt shop, which is that thing that Michael Ailig used to do to me that we called the public humiliation, the private apology, where you do this huge, horrible thing in public and everybody knows. And then you go and you say, I'm really sorry about that to the person as opposed to embarrassing someone in private and then saying, I was really horrible. I'm very sorry in front of everyone. So I don't but like public humiliations, private apologies. This is an incredible juicy story because then it came out that the yogurt place said, oh, she did not give us money and she has not sent an apology. Oh, okay. I'm not, or, 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 they call it a saying, sorry, I'm not sorry apology. Oops. She was tweeting at them all. Don't come for me. Don't mess with me. So she's being apparently defiant. I don't know. I mean, but I think it's, aside from Demi's own mental health issues, which are, I totally hear you, Tom, and agree with everything you say, I think there's a problem with Puritanism. This belief that things need to be a certain way and the in, inability to accommodate multiple points of view or tolerate multiple points of view. It's, it's, it's to a stage where, and it is hard even to wrap your head around the idea that you're in a yoga, you're in somewhere that is serving different options to different people. And that's the problem. You know, that's where it's like, but I feel that as a culture, as American culture is careening down this path of, of intolerance and puritanism. And well, sort of been doing that for about on the years. right and Karen's on the left, right? It's like, if you're too yeah. woke, you're a Karen. If you're too conservative, you're a Karen. Uh, I don't. What they no, have in no, common no, is no. puritanism. It's the same, it's the same fundamental thing. It is not the same thing. Extremism. Stop it. Don't, don't. It is, it is not, we do not have the same people on the left and the right. It's we don't. No, but it, it's over here. Do not equivocate like that. The Democrats are not as bad as the Republicans. I will have that sort of... Not saying that, not saying that the same, but I think it does shrink the road of conversation versus open up to conversations around tolerance. I, I get it's a tough, touchy issue. I'm not trying to black and white it. I'm not trying to oversimplify. It's hard in our format when we have two and a half minutes to talk about these things. But it's it's a uh, anyway. How do, how do you solve a problem like Demi Lovato? Moving on to number six, James. Number six. 
Number six, I watched another lesbian period drama over the weekend. I seem to be on a roll. This time it was Vita in Virginia, a biopic on Hulu about Vita Sackville-West and Virginia Woolf. Uh, writers in the 1920s, of course, Virginia Woolf was uh, is a legendary legend and icon who revolutionized modern prose. Vita Sackville-West was her lover who... Um, was a writer in her own right who was more popular than Virginia in her day and was sort of like a, a romance novelist type thing. But she was also a very chic, very worldly, really fabulous, voracious bisexual who was sleeping with everybody in 1920s England. And she was so fashionable and fabulous and wonderful that she sort of carries the movie. She was played by Gemma Arterton. I don't know. I don't know much about Gemma, but I hear her name a lot. Um, both of them were probably bisexual. Um, they were bisexual. They both were married and they had very loving relationships with their husbands. But because it was the 20s, everybody was diddling everybody. And Vita's husband was sleeping with lots of men. It's another one of those lesbian period movies. So this is about their story in Vita very relentlessly pursued Virginia Woolf and Virginia Woolf was very, you know, all melancholy and, and she's, you know, going slightly insane. And with each book, she gets a little crazier and crazier. And we know eventually she's going to stuff her pockets with rocks and walk into the lake. But this is before all of that. (laughs) (laughs) You you set such a tone. Thank you. (laughs) Well, um, it's sort of their relationship. And once again, with these lesbian movies, nothing happens and nothing happens two and a half hours of of them like glancing at each other and you know the the fingers sort of trail along each other you know but because the clothes are so fabulous and the castles are so fabulous and the 1920s like dialogue is so snappy and the interior design i mean like you just sink into this movie you feel like you were part of the bloomsbury group in new you know bloomsbury circle is absolutely fantastic the one thing i didn't know was that Orlando, you know, Virginia Woolf's novel about the uh, the man who lives, uh, he, he's a man and he becomes a woman. He wakes up one day and he's a woman. And then he lives 300 years as a woman. You know, you, you know it, right? You've seen the Tilda Swinton movie. Yes. Yes. I thought it was about Disney World, but keep going. <laughs> anyway, Orlando was um, Virginia's biography of Vita Sackville West, a thinly veiled biography because, and this is for Virginia Woolf fans out there that I can see neither of you are. So I'm just speaking to the, the people out there in radio land is that, um, the fact that Orlando wakes up one day and becomes a woman who goes from being a man to a woman with no explanation is that, uh, Vita Sackville West embodied both male and female she was you know gay straight she was man woman she was every she was a bit of everything she she ran the spectrum she was our first non uh, binary person i guess of the 20th century and the fact that she lived 300 years in the book uh, with no explanation is that Vita Sackville West comes from this old, old family from the 1700s and she embodies the old world mentality, but she was also a thoroughly modern woman. So she embodies the old and the new and the man and the woman and she is everything. And that is her love letter to Vita showing that she is this woman who embodies everything and all things in society and da, 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 da. And it's fascinating. And you watch her study Vita as she's writing Orlando and it's just it's 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 a pretty magnificent movie. I'm just looking at some pictures of Vita Sackville West. Who is the other lady who had the most extraordinary Edith Sitwell? Is that oh, is I love me some Edith Sitwell? I Edith Sitwell is my spirit animal. Yes, she had that nose, and she always said she had a very Plantagenet nose. And um, that the, she was always wearing emeralds. She would wear like four emerald rings on, and she would wear medieval toques and medieval cloaks. And oh, she was just fantastic. So uh, Orlando's not about her then? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, well we'll have to do a separate. I, we should. But I'm happy to talk about her. We should do a Bloomsbury special. Like, there we go. And you can yes. do every single item, and we'll just nod and listen. Um, (laughs) but once again another lesbian period drama that i'm recommending i'm just i'm on a roll all right here's one that is not a lesbian period drama number five number five share and the loneliest elephant oh are you talking about share share i am talking about share share yesterday was world earth day 
And so on Paramount Plus, they launched this documentary, Share and the Loneliest Elephant. And it's this story about this elephant that was given to the emperor of Pakistan's daughter or some what have you as a little baby. It's very sad because actually elephants tend not to mate in captivity. So if you need a baby elephant, you have to go and steal it from the mother. Oh. And elephants, as we all know, are incredibly smart and sensitive. And so that's enormously traumatic. But this baby elephant grew up, had a partner, the partner died. It was just in this zoo in Pakistan, terribly abused. Just heartbreaking pictures of the of Kavan extending his trunk to touch his female part, dead body of his female part. It's just heartbreaking. So, because I frankly tuned in to watch Cher and the Loneliest Elephant and being cynical and bitter, I sort of tuned in to laugh, really. Um, oh. Because it is really... Left no dead elephant? No, that all became... The, the, the abuse of animals? James, stop. I'm not going to get waylaid by you. This elephant was very sad. And I was like, oh, here we go. A celebrity plugged into a documentary to save the elephant. But that's what happened. Actually, Cher got involved in this free Kavan campaign. Uh, she recorded a song. Uh, I never knew I'd end up like this. It's, I think it's called Walls. And um, long story, very short. In fact, the great thing is this documentary is only 46 minutes long. Cher shows up in Pakistan when they finally take the elephant, build a special crate for it, put it on a big plane and fly it to Cambodia. And um, it is pretty incredible, actually. The elephant breaks your heart and wins your heart. And it's a story with a happy ending. But also, it's just so bizarre to see Cher. She is so great. And she just, I, I guess the interesting thing in her interviews, she's always so... Um, what is the word? Like, she just, she isn't sort of pretentious. She just she's tells it like this yeah. and says things in a very simple, straightforward way. Plus, you just can't take your eyes off her face. You are just, every time she's on screen, you the elephant disappears, the gamekeepers, everybody else disappears. You just watch Cher. And it is, it's sort of camp and classic when Cher arrives in Pakistan at the zoo and she meets the elephant and they're talking about elephant poo and how elephants like to, it's just, it's sort of she, great. Um, but crazy. she and Dolly Parton, different people, but they both like, you feel like all of their energy is used toward good and what they want to do, that they're fearless, that they're not only pioneers in the past tense, but they continue to move things forward. And that I just want to so say right. as she's been promoting this documentary she was asked, and it made all of the gay press anyway, that Cher said, I guess I'm going to have to do Drag Race eventually. You know, and if Cher, if you're listening to Radio Andy, which I bet you might be, you could be, um, you know, we reached out to your people, and they said you're very busy, which we know you are, but we'll do video. We'll do, like, well, we'll, we'll take you in any form. You know, we had a Cher, we had Chaz and her mother. We, we like, we'll, we've done a Cher rusical. We just... If Cher would just walk through the set or send us a 10-second video, it would uh, make our day. Just, you know, just, you know, Cher, if you're listening. I love that. Can I just add one detail about the elephant? Oh, please. So the elephant wouldn't get into its cage on the day of the flight. You know, there were like, the, 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 the stakes were high. And the way <laughs> Cher sang Frank Sinatra, I did it my way, and that got the elephant in its cage. So... I, I hope you can play that on the way out to commercial. I don't know if that's I available. I'd love to hear that. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Blake? Dingling. Hello. Um, this question is brought to you by our new documentary streaming on Paramount Plus called Gone to Pot. I told you earlier that 16 states have fully legalized recreational use of marijuana. So now I ask, in how many states is it a legal is it still fully illegal? <laughs> You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. We'll be right back with the answer after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James St. James and Blake. Before you tell us the answer to the question, Blake, I have to say something about May the, th May the 1st. May the May the May the first. May the first. May the first. Yes, that's right. 
That is. Are you, are you having an aneurysm? <laughs> May the first. That Benson, is I think high. Today is May the first. May the first. May the first. RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under coming to Wow presents Plus. Um, and I Kylie see. Minogue, I saw in all the gay news that that Kylie Minogue and Taika Waititi are our guest stars. Not only Kylie Minogue. But Danny Minogue. So we have oh, two Minogues. That's fantastic. How and the one and only Taika Waititi. So it's not him. Really He's so beautiful, sexy, wonderful. I know. And Rue's she- hosting, and Michelle's next to him. And we have this wonderful uh, Australian comedian, uh, Judge uh, Reese Nicholson. And it's it's a different flavor, but that's what I love about Drag Race in different territories. It, it's the same thing, and it's totally different. It's really good. It. Can't wait. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. <laughs> Um, uh, oi, 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 Blake, you had a you had a question for us. <laughs> J- J- when James is trying to move us forward, we know there's a lag in the show. When James is traffic copying. We are screwed. <laughs> All right. Um. So this question is brought to you by our new documentary streaming on Paramount Plus called Gone to Pot. Um, I told you that 16 states have fully legalized recreational marijuana as of now. So now I ask you, how many states is it still completely illegal to have pot? Because we live in the divided states of America, I'm going to say 16. James? 16 and 16 don't make 50. (laughs) No, uh, I'm I'm going to say... Now, wait, James. That does not mean that just because... There are 44 or 34 <laughs> other states that they are all illegal. There's like medicinal marijuana. Exactly. So I'm going I'm to say eight. And I'm going to say five. Uh, you're both close at six. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Split the difference. And they're mostly in the South. If you Yeah, that's, I was going to. Yeah, we were all, we were right about that. Yeah. All right. Let's carry on counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week. Number four. Number four. I'm reporting on this, but it's really a question. Are the Oscars this weekend? <laughs> they are, right? Ugh. <laughs> and listen, we're, you know, tonight, we're pre-plugging, but it's the grand finale of RuPaul's Drag Race, which we produced again in a lockdown, in a, in a pandemic, and we had to jump through a lot of hurdles, and we do it without an audience. I think it comes together amazingly. I want everyone to watch. But now here's the Oscars, the, the the reason that we all do award shows or grand finales. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they think. It's a year without movies, kind of. Uh, I know. I, I don't know one of them. I really don't know any of them. And I'm not I'm, taking away from any of the actors or the films that have been released during this time. But the just – and I guess if you're the head of the Oscars, you're like, we can't take a year off. But maybe they could have. Maybe they could have taken a year off. Or There's maybe plan- they could have done a private ceremony and announced the winners and just do that in- instead of having a big t- televised to do. Yes. They could have gone, not that they could be in one room, but I was, weren't the first Oscars like in a banquet room at the yeah. Ho- Hotel Roosevelt? Just yeah, for, for, for a couple of years. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But they're instead, and again, God bless them for trying, they are um, going to be taking over Union Station, the train station in Los Angeles, which is beautiful and has been the site of a bazillion. So it's going to be kind of outdoor spread apart. I think they're going to have lots of people, you know, virtually buzzing in, but they're going to have a lot of the stars right there at Union Station and turning it into a recording stage and studio. But what was um, the awards show a couple of months ago that was really good? I mean, there's been some absolute clunkers, like the Golden Globes was just awful. And then was it the Billboard Music Awards or was it the Grammys? The Grammys were good. I mean, I think that um, the v- MTV Video Awards were great. Great. I mean, you know, there, there's been the music performance ones for the most part have been the more successful because they've just, you know, done performances outside and on bridges and the tops of buildings with helicopters and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's just odd that in a year where everyone was glued to their TV and not going anywhere that I haven't seen. I'm going to watch Nomadland this week. I'm going to watch that the the one with the girl who. Promising young woman. Promising young. I'll watch those two. But um, I it's it's weird that I haven't seen all the movies that are out there because it seems like 
I don't understand anymore the demarcation between a TV movie and a movie movie. Netflix That's part of it. Able, Netflix seems to be able to do both. They'll put a movie out and then they'll say, well, this is this. We're going to put this one for Oscars and we'll put this one for Emmys. Like, right. I don't understand. That's because there are very specific rules about qualifying for an Oscar for Academy. And you basically just have to rent a movie theater and play it. You know, and they do change the rules from yet again. I don't think, and it, but it doesn't really translate to the audience. And this has been no. happening for a long time. And there was that hashtag Oscar so white, and my bad one is at hashtag Oscar so dead. Will they survive this, or will they have to reinvent like a lot of things post pandemic? Yeah. I'm not excited for it. I don't even care about the fact. I don't care about award shows anymore. I think after Joan Rivers died, just stop red carpets altogether. I love things that you've killed off. You've killed off fashion. Fashion is dead. Award shows are dead. Award shows gone. Yes. Celebrity dead. I don't care. Lesbian period pieces in. Period lesbian. All I care about is lesbian period pieces. What have you got at number three, James? Number three. My new all time. Favorite television show ever in the history of television debuted this week. It is called Cruel Summer. It's on Freeform, which is right there. Very strange because that's ABC Family, which is sort of weird Christian, often weird. No, thing. it was. It's Teen Girls. So it seems it's, very in line. Okay. With brand this is Teen Girls. I got to tell you, this is the most batshit bananas show. It's more euphoria than like Pretty Little Liars. It's takes place in the 90s, in 93, 94, and 95, okay? The, fir- the first scene, I'm just, I'm going to set this up for you. I'm going to set it up. This girl wakes up. It's ni- It says 1993, the flash is on the screen. This girl wakes up in bed, and she's in cute little pajamas, and she's got curly, kinky hair and braces and glasses. And the parents come in, and they're like, hey, Snugglebug, it's your birthday. We've got your breakfast in bed. And the brother comes in, and he's like, hey, sis, you look great. And she's like, thanks, guys. I love you all. And then it says 1994. And you see her wake up in bed. And she's absolutely beautiful. She's got long, straight hair and luscious. She's in a sexy nightgown. And there's a boy, a hot boy, singing, 90s boy singing in bed next to her. He's like, hey, babe, I love you. Happy birthday. I thought I'd sneak in before your parents come in and tell you I'm going to wreck you later. And then it says 1995. And she wakes up in bed. It's, this, it's her birthday. And she's got short black hair that she's cut herself and make, smudged makeup. And her father comes in and pulls the, the, the sheets off. And he says, get out of bed. Your lawyer's downstairs and she's pissed off. I don't even know you anymore. And she's like, get the hell out of here, dad. I hate you. And so the rest of the show is figuring out how she went for each of these three phases, what happened to her. And it turns out that there's this girl, the most popular girl at school, and she disappears. She's kidnapped. And uh, when she's kidnapped and she disappears, the, the nerdy girl becomes the most beautiful girl and the most popular girl at school. And then it comes out that she has something to do with the kidnapping. And she becomes the most hated woman in the country. And the National Enquirer is running stories about her saying, you know, how she's the most evil incarnate. And the governor is decrying her on television because this is like pre-social media. But like everywhere she goes, people throw rocks at her. And that's why she's like this mean punk rock girl. It's goth sort of like, you know... Um, 90s sort of grunge girl skater girl so and then the second episode is the popular girl and we see her in 93 94 and 95 when she has her ptsd after being kidnapped and then she becomes this wild party girl because as a result of the trauma of being kidnapped but she was like once this like really perfect so every episode is the same day in 93 94 and 95 that is intercut with each other and it's absolutely brilliant and it's my favorite tv show of all time Blake just reminded me, do you know who was a, a key instrumental instrumental on producing it and staffing it and doing everything? My former assistant, not that many years ago, Savannah Ward. Remember Savannah? I love Savannah. Yes. A key player in the in bringing this to life. Oh, Isn't that man, amazing Savannah and wonderful? Is, Savannah was one of the most wonderful employees we ever had at World of Wonder. And just another very quick note is the creepy guy who kidnaps the, the popular girl is uh, we know him. He was on Parks and Rec. He was a really cute guy on Parks and Rec, but he was Danny Francesi's boyfriend for oh. years and years and years. And we used to see, they would come to the gallery openings together all the time. We know him really well. His name is... Uh, Blake is saying his name is Blake. Yes, his name Blake. is Blake. Yes. 
And he's very he's adorable and really cute in this, but he's really All spooky right. and weird. So I'm, I'm gonna sorry. watch it this weekend, I promise. That's really cool. Tuesdays, 10 p.m. ET, 7 p.m. PT on Freeform. Number two. Number two. Jihad Camera. Okay, so this is a show that will not be winning awards. Um, let me see. What is, what's, it, what's it called? It's called Taneb Rizlan. And so I don't know if you know this, but during Ramadan, which is now in the Muslim world, it is a tradition to have prank shows on. Like, Candid camera type shows. They're apparently very popular entertainment. And there is this new one in Iraq where <laughs> they get celebrities and they ask them to go visit a family who had been displaced by ISIS during the um, jihad. So the celebrity goes off. And then while they're at the house visiting the family, suddenly all these jihadis rush in, these ISIS people rush in and kidnap them. And put a an explosive vest on them and smoke and take them out of the house uh, and there's gunfire and explosions and then they say ha ah, it's all a joke <laughs> well <laughs> one of the celebrities who was a victim of this passed out and had yeah. to be revived by water being splashed on her face repeatedly she's a comedian another of football players i mean this is very upsetting, apparently. And I don't know that we're going to get to see... We've got the... Blake, you'll post a link on the WOW report. But um, the, the, the paradox is the series is underwritten or sponsored by the powerful state-sponsored Hashid al-Shabi Paramilitary Coalition. So they were, I believe, responsible in rolling back ISIS's advances and gains in Iraq. And so they're sponsoring this show in which unwitting celebrities get kidnapped and put in literal fear of their lives. Question, when, when is Fox going to do the masked version of this? <laughs> right? That's a scary question. Probably very soon. <laughs> Could you imagine? Anyway. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing that made us go wow. But I will just tell you, tonight we crown a brand new queen on America's Next Drag Superstar on RuPaul's Drag Race. One of my favorite top four seasons of all, I mean, top four contestants of all time. I just love them all so much. I'm going to be sad to see one of them get the crown. You know, we pre-taped the show and then, uh, you know, and, and it's very special. I hope you guys enjoy it, watching it as much as we enjoyed making it. We had, we have some special little production numbers and things that I hope the audience appreciates. Yeah. You listen to the report on Radio Andy. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. Uh, we've been counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week. I'm Fenton. Here's James St. James and Tom Campbell. We've reached number one. Number one. The verdict in the George Floyd trial was released this week. And it, I don't know about you. Oddly, because, you know, it came down very quickly. Literally, I knew it was coming. I had CNN on. I was on my floor with my laptop in the window taking a pitch, a dating pitch, which the people pitching were delightful and we're going to reschedule. And we were like, of course, if history happens, we have to stop. And we all stopped. And then we're like, we can't go back to this pitch. We have to, you know, let's reschedule. Thing. It was very awkward, but very like, and I was just blown away all day. I, I've not been following, I've not been watching the trial day to day because it just would bring me way down i have been keeping track and you know i'm being correct it's like justice was served people were saying justice wasn't served justice was was you know people's extreme actions brought around brought about this just verdict and also the mixed feelings of like phew and how fucked up it is that a fair verdict it's so uh, shocking. It's so shocking. Yeah. But at the same time, there was, joy is the wrong word, but the press conference immediately following the decision with his brothers and his, he is the most beautiful, articulate family. And I kept waiting for that one boner relative who's going to be like, oh no, you're going to embarrass the family. You know, you're the Billy, <laughs> the Billy uh, Carter of, of the family. They were all so incredibly smart and 
and moved and changed by this and inspir- and are inspirational because of it. Normal people in extraordinary circumstances. Go ahead. Did you watch the the camera in the house as they were reading the verdicts and the people and that uh, just I I was sobbing as that was happening because yeah. I the the family is just what they've been through is just yeah. it's incredible and uh, I do want to sort of like take it away from from that because uh, when the CNN announced that the verdict had come in. And uh, there was like an almost two hour wait between mm. when they announced that it was going to happen. And they said they kept saying any second now, any second now. And CNN was doing that thing that CNN does where they had all the talking heads lined up and everyone got to pontificate and everyone got to bloviate and everyone got to just natter on. And it was the most anxiety inducing two hours of it was like waiting for the oj verdict to come in or waiting for just just some waiting for to see if donald trump will won the the second election it and to hear them and cnn just makes me so angry when they do that just i would rather they just put the camera in the courtroom and be silent and let us wait for the totally understand and and funnily enough james it put me in the mind of Rodney King and the Rodney yes. King verdict. Yes. And, and it yes. made me start thinking about, you know, how instrumental cameras and, and tape have been in this whole move towards accountability, you know? And if, because, the, if she had, if the girl had not, I can't remember I her name. I about Donella Fraser, who was 17, yep. you know, when she, when she was walking to cut foods with her, uh, her, her cousin, her nine-year-old cousin and videotaped, you know, on her iPhone, and if she hadn't incident. done that, we would not have gotten a, a, a well, a, exactly I mean, a, a because the police officially said, you know, man dies after medical incident during police interaction. So that mm-hmm. was the official story, and thank goodness for this 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 recording, and and it just makes you realize how important and and speeches are only a a tiny tiny fraction of what we need. But I was so impressed and reassured by Vice President Harris's remarks following the press conference and by our president, Joe Biden. And I really do think we have the right president and vice president for this time. And, and if it had been Trump, he would have, he would have said, he would have invited Derek Chauvin to the, to the white house right. or just set, set the country on fire instead yeah. of looking for what this really means. And, you know, Biden, you know, he's going out on a limb in many ways. I know it's words and we need actions. I'm not trying to say chapter close, let's move on. But all of that was, uh, it could have been so different. It could yeah. have been so different, yeah. so grateful it happened. A lot of work still to do, but we had one day of, of feeling all better. Yeah, you have to take a moment to recognize yeah. the victories, even if the war continues. Absolutely. What a different place we're in now than a year ago, you know? Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning into the Report this week. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, James. And thank, thank you, you, Blake. Um you can catch previous episodes on our YouTube channel, Wow Presents, or you can listen to them via the Sirius app. Uh, same time, same place next week. Until then, go out if you've got your shot, if you've got your vectors, and do something that makes the world go wow. wow. wow.